Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesenhoff. Well, this week I'm going to switch things up a little bit because I'm going travelling and so I don't know how good my internet connections will be. And whilst most protocols involving producing and publishing podcasts can be automated and scheduled, some of them can't. So just to avoid any issues there, um, this episode will be coming out a day early. And one of the reasons why this episode is going to be a little bit different is for a couple of reasons. Number one is we have an exciting new feature that I would really like to share with you. And that feature is, can you imagine how much fun it would be if you could search a podcast episode or all of the episodes just like you would as if you were using Google? So you can actually search the audio content of an episode using keywords. So if you can imagine that you heard something a while back, can't remember which episode you heard that in, or you hear us refer to something that which was in another episode that you haven't listened to before, you can either use the normal text search. If you go over to londonheal.com, you can just search the text of any of the episodes of the stuff that's actually written there. But now you can actually search the content the actual audio content. And more than that, when you search for it and you get up a list of hits like you would in Google and you find the one that you want and you can press play and you will actually get jumped straight to that point in that episode where that keyword appears and so you can save yourself all the trouble of having to scrub this manually. Isn't that cool? I think it's really cool. Anyway, it is exactly that. It's a new toy that um, we've brought on board. There's always the case when something is new that there are going to be a few gremlins. Um, at the point of posting, I had noticed a couple of issues running Safari and iPhones, but the tech team have been notified, so I'm sure that will be revised very soon. This is also a really new piece of software, so um, there's going to be a lot of upgrades and updates with time, so the search functions will get better and better and whatever. Lots of things that you will be able to implement as they become available. Anyway, just please explore it and see what you think. The other point about this, though, is that uploading 66 episodes, isn't that amazing? of London Heal is going to take a while in terms of uh, technical capacity. So at the moment, only the most recent, I think the last four episodes have been uploaded. I'm not even sure that this one will actually be up there by the time this episode is released. Um, so we will exp be expanding and implementing the entire library goes as time goes on. But also we'd like to hear from you if it's a feature that you enjoy using so that we know if it will justify all that effort. <laughs> anyway, have a play. So please go over. If you look in the show notes, we've put a link to the most um, the first episode that has um, some uh, the search facility available. If you actually go on to an episode page that is um, searchable, on londonheal.com you'll find below the little player there will be a link that says 
search this episode or something like that. can't remember what I wrote now. And you can click on that and it'll open up a little window and you can type in your search terms and then it'll throw you up your results with a little screen that you can then press play and hear exactly from that point. So, and the other cool thing about this feature, this little piece of software, by the way, is that it actually can also search videos, which is a feature we will be implementing in a future product. So, anyway, check out and see whether or not it's a useful feature for you. Be interesting to hear your feedback. The other thing that we were going to do today that's new is that oftentimes um, people ask me what I do in the background for London Heal because obviously it involves a lot of research and I also have a lot of colleagues who very kindly um, ask me for if I know things in, in the scientific literature or in the naturopathic space that may help them with clients or whatever And I'm always really happy to do that because I learn. So I spend a lot of my time researching. So I thought I'd let you in today um, behind the scenes, so to speak, into my world and see what that looks like. And what I did was I chose three articles that I had come across just in the last week amongst my hours of research and thought that I would just bring you up to date on a couple of new things which may not really be sufficient to constitute a whole episode. In some cases, maybe they will. But still, interesting snippets of science news that I thought that you might be interested in. And so the first one is a publication which came out this week in the journal um, from the American Medical Association, JAMA. It's one of the most impactful medical journals that reports on the health impact of the soda ban on, on, uh, at the medical campus at the University of California, San Francisco. So what they did here was they actually implemented a ban on the sale of all of these sugary canned and bottled soda drinks and people could get water. I think there was no restriction on fruit juice. And so the employees were also allowed to actually bring their own drinks, but they were just not able to purchase any drinks while at work on campus. And 10 months after this sales ban was put in place on these sugary drinks, the group on average reduced their waist size and belly fat, although there were no overall changes to their body mass index or BMI, which is an indication of overall fat content of the body. However, what was interesting is that the type of fat, this kind of visceral fat that did seem to be effective, is extremely sensitive to sugar. And it's actually this visceral fat such as the fat that's stored in the liver that's thought to play a major role in type 2 diabetes and many other health issues. The effect was most pronounced of course as one would imagine on the more overweight and those who consumed the larger number of sugary drinks and while the effect of sugar on obesity and weight gain is not a huge surprise this study not only really confirms that but it also really makes it very clear the significant impact that employees, organizations and institutions can make on their employee health. So if you work in an organization where there's the availability to buy these sugary drinks, you might want to mention that to somebody who's 
can make those kind of decisions if you can't make them yourself and perhaps turn your workplace into a much healthier place to be. The major um, head of the study was Dr. Alyssa Apple, and she commented before on the effects of sugar in shortening telomere length. And if you would like to learn a lot more about telomeres, then um, directly from Alyssa, in fact, then please tune in to her episode on London Heel entitled Telomeres Tell Tales. Not one that's searchable yet, but it will be soon. So what other things have I been thinking and looking up at this week? Oh, yes, I remember. So an article that was came out in um, oh, I've, uh, nutrition, I think it was, showed that vitamin D supplementation can lower blood lipids. So this was a meta-analysis, and a meta-analysis is essentially an analysis of other studies. So there were eight randomized controlled studies over time from different groups that had studied patients who supplemented with vitamin D and had analyzed their serum blood lipids. So that's the cholesterols, triglycerides. And this meta-analysis took these eight studies and looked at all of them together to see whether or not this effect was actually consistent and significant. And did actually show and concluded that patients with elevated blood lipids or hyperlipidemia did actually show that their levels of LDL cholesterol, that's a bad cholesterol, and triglycerides did in fact go down when they supplemented with vitamin D. And there was no effect on the good cholesterol or the HDL, the high-density lipoprotein. So the conclusion of the study was that patients with high blood lipids or hyperlipidemia might actually benefit from vitamin D supplementation. Evidence for the beneficial effects of vitamin D seem to be coming in thick and fast at the moment. There's, it's really become kind of acknowledged, I think, that it's not really anymore a vitamin, but it's actually a hormone. It seems to have an enormous amount of functions all over the body and also a lot of protective functions. There is some data to show, for example, that good levels, high levels of vitamin D in the blood, certain levels, it has to actually be certain serum levels. So this is not something one should do without a doctor. But um, yeah, so um, significant levels of vitamin D in the blood have been shown to be protective against breast cancer, for example. whole load of studies coming out all over the place. This one was on blood lipids. Very interesting. And also, if you are interested to learn more about the beneficial effects of vitamin D on your sleep, and of course we know how good restorative sleep is also essential for body health, brain health, and health in general. And vitamin D seems to play a role in modulating your sleep and making sure that you do actually get sufficient REM sleep and restorative sleep. And if you'd like to know more about that, then I would highly encourage you to tune into the episodes with Dr. Stasha Gominak. We have two, but the first one, the introductory one, is entitled Sleep, Vitamin D and the Microbiome with Dr. To Stasha Gomenak. Super interesting stuff. Go check it out. And the last one um, probably should have rearranged the order of these because 
would have been nice to kind of finish up on a high note. And this is not so much of a high note, but I think it's a super important um, report that actually an article that came out in the Washington Post just this week, examining why, you know, what the proposed ideas and rationales are behind the fact that women seem to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD twice as much as men. PTSD is a condition that is uh, triggered usually by a very traumatic, scary or dangerous event and it's particularly earmarked by this feeling of being trapped or not being able to prevent the trauma from happening, a feeling of helplessness to help yourself and therefore this trauma experience can get very deeply embedded in the memory centres. And these kind of traumas can include all sorts of things from combat, um, sexual, physical, emotional violence and abuse, accidents, natural disasters, even the death of a loved one. There are sort of two forms of PTSD. There's one known as complex PTSD, which is kind of a gradual buildup of things, but the classical PTSD is usually considered to be a response to a single event or a time period, such as a period of service in the armed forces, in a war zone or whatever. And the symptoms can be absolutely horrendous. They include flashbacks, nightmares, avoidance of situations which could trigger any kind of part of that memory, obviously nervousness, anxiety and depression, and often deep feelings of shame and guilt. Oftentimes, if it's in cases where there are war veterans around around, um, or included, these feelings of shame and guilt are often to do with the fact that one survived and the colleagues perhaps didn't, the comrades and colleagues. The saddest thing about PTSD is if it's left untreated, the symptoms don't go away. They can persist for many, many years. But not everybody who experiences trauma experiences PTSD. And we don't really know exactly why that is. Of course, a lot of scientists are looking for potential genetic causes or um, genetic associations. Um, Relevant to this particular article was the fact that PTSD seems to affect women twice as much as men. And it explores the reasons why women appear to be more susceptible. And there's actually no answer to that question, but there is a lot of factors that may play a significant role. And one of these is kind of really scary, which is that women are just simply subjected to abuse, especially sexual abuse, at a significantly earlier age on average than boys. And this happens often during the early stages of brain development. And it is suspected that there is the potential, we know how plastic our brains are, especially in those early developmental years, that traumatic events can literally hardwire and alter some of the wiring in the brain and therefore these events can can torture us for many many years after because they're they're pretty hardwired in and quite difficult to budge the article cites a recent study of women ages 18 to 44 and found that more than 3.3 million women's first sexual experience was rape Ugh. 
physical trauma that is directly experienced is much more likely to result in PTSD. And rape is about as close, up close and personal an experience as it gets, sadly. Moreover, women seem to respond to emotional stress in a very different way to men. And although there's absolutely no apparent physiological differences, so there's no male or female brain, there do appear to be gender differences in responses. Women, for example, have a much higher stress hormone response to this kind of trauma, while men tend to demonstrate more kind of like hyper-arousal symptoms such as anger or aggression. This is clearly um, driven by, by the sex hormones, potentially. We don't really know for sure. Another factor is that women seem to be less able to unlearn fear, and this is a thing known as fear extinction. Extinction. Gosh, that's quite difficult to say which um, something like that, so it's, it's they experience something, a fearful event, and they just simply don't forget it as well as men, which is a good reason why that could encourage trauma responses to persist for much longer and result potentially in a PSTD. It is likely that several other factors are involved, including hormones, brain stress responses and genetics, And interestingly, of course, because the mind and the body are not separate, PTSD has also been shown to increase the risk of developing heart disease, obesity, diabetes, blood clots, certain cancers, and even autism in the offspring of the survivors. Now, these things affect both men and women, but much of the most recent research has been conducted on women. So the article didn't cover any more modern treatment modalities. It talked a lot about classical talk therapy, um, but there are several modalities that have been shown to be effective in treating PTSD, such as tapping, EFT, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, or EMDR, or even the most recent positive results coming out from centers in the US and from Imperial College looking at the effects of psychedelics on PTSD and depression and other psychological symptoms. And those results um, are looking extremely promising. So it's not a very uplifting subject to finish up on, but one that I think is really interesting and also something that I think probably a lot of the therapists listening will be also interested to know. Next week, we're going to be exploring the subject of trauma much more extensively. And I'm not going to give you any more spoilers other than to say tune in and find out about the effects of trauma on your health, what causes it, um, what the effects are, and also how you can treat it. So stay tuned for that. Well, That's it for me this week. It was a short and sweet episode. I just thought I'd let you in behind the scenes and give you a couple of snippets of information that I thought might be of interest to you. Let me know what you think. Be very interested to hear your feedback because if you like this kind of episode, maybe in the future we can occasionally do more of them. And also check out our search tool and see if you like that and give us some feedback on that. And please... Forgive me if there are any glitches, but, you know, 
all new things tend to have problems. So we're just playing around with it and having a bit of fun and look forward to your feedback. So my dear listeners, if you enjoy London Heal, um, please rate, review us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any app, um, podcast platform that you listen to. It really does help our podcast get to those people who really need it and could benefit from the useful information and amazing guests that we have on the show who can share their wisdom and maybe make a difference in your life and the lives of those that you help or you treat or you love or all of those. And so, my dear listeners, until next week, just leaves me to wish you As always, health, happiness and serenity.